Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to U.S. Open Week at the Enjoy the Walk Off podcast. We are stoked to be bringing you guys live coverage inside the U.S. Open this week from caddies to players um, to everything in between from chatter inside and outside of Brookline as we get ready for the U.S. Open at historic uh, the country club Brookline. Francis Wee Metz, famous club that is home to our intro, our favorite movie of all time, Dante, the greatest game ever played. Hell yeah, best golf movie there is. Hands love down. It, Absolutely love it. But before we get into U.S. Open talk, uh, we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about from this past week. There were shots fired all over golf world. There were uh, the RBC Canadian Open was being held this week where some of the top players in the world were competing and competing to win with Roy McIlroy, Tony Finau, and Justin Thomas coming down the stretch on a late afternoon on a Sunday. The Live Golf put on its first full production uh, online via YouTube, Facebook, and on their website um, with obviously the names that have been dropped and more names that we can talk about here in a bit. Uh, we'll get into their coverage, what we think, what we liked, what we maybe want to see a little bit more of. Um, and then just overall, the golf world, the Curtis Cup was in our backyard at Marion. Um, the ladies and versus the Europeans for the, uh, for the women's side of the game. And then as well, the women's mixed Scandinavian, uh, men's and women's playing over in Europe, uh, a a awesome event which had historic uh implications there this week as well so all kinds of stuff going on this week uh and dante i'll start by saying this because we talked about this off air um with with live golf coming on the scene we had an insane amount of golf to watch as a fan this week right and hey so that's what we've always wanted yeah i mean i think that's kind of like what we agreed upon in regards to you know the live versus the PGA and that whole debacle and we you know that can be a whole other rabbit hole we can go down but like you said we had the DP World Tour with their mix we had uh, the Curtis Cup over here at Marion which is pretty much over the bridge for me and you know a couple exits over uh, live golf and you had the PGA Tour I mean the fact that we had an opportunity to watch four separate tournaments across like the world you know is just insane like that's what we've been asking for like you know we talk about growing the game we talk about you know what can there be more for golf and as a viewer like you know you talk about golf more you know everything in the headlines more towards the players but let's take a step back and realize how great this is for a viewer for us for us to be able to just you know, we love the sport. We want to watch golf. And it's not like you have to wait every week just for the PGA Tour. We had three other tours that we can literally watch from and just watch golf. Because at the end of the day, that's as as a podcast, as media personnel, as just a fan of golf that we just absolutely love. We had an opportunity to watch multiple different avenues of golf. Like what more can I you think- ask for? I think you remove us even right as like a media personality, you remove the, the idea of us covering golf uh, day in and day out. And you just leave it with that last thing you said as a fan, right? As a fan of the game, um, we are now getting the opportunity and even through the mixed event, which we'll get into here in a little bit, um, seeing the golf world expand 
into more viewership, offering more world-class players the opportunity to play in front of more world-class viewers. And, and that's what we wanted. Now, with that being said, this competition all over the world is forcing the, the greater being entities to improve. And I think we saw that by what the PGA Tours media did on a social media side of things this weekend. I think we saw it from a fan base at the RBC that was just out of this world electric. And we saw it in Rory McIlroy's comments. He even stated himself that he would not have had the amount of fire to go out there on a Sunday afternoon and go win if it wasn't because of what was going on in the golf world right now. So if you look at the grander scheme of things, I'm not saying that Greg Norman got Rory his 21st win and the Live Golf Tour got Rory his 21st win, but I don't think he would have won the RBC Heritage if it wasn't for the little extra fire that all of this hoopla around the golf world was creating that forced him to really buckle down, grind, and go out there and win a, win a, win a tournament. Yeah, I agree. And another thing. Like- on my insight too, and I know we've talked about this behind the scenes, and I, I've been saying it in the PGA Tour has just gotten stale. You know, mm-hmm. obviously they're the biggest dogs on campus. They've kind of, I guess you could say, I wouldn't say they've gotten lazy, but they've gotten more complacent. And they're like, ah, we're the PGA Tour. We're just, you know, this has been working for years in and year out. And, you know, it's finally coming, I think, to the realization that, oh, like maybe we actually have to change things up a bit. And honestly, I think, you know, with this whole live versus PGA tour thing, like you said, you saw this past weekend and they did a lot of things differently on for the fans viewership. I mean, you, like you said, they had the social media going behind the scenes and it just seemed it was watching a little bit of it. It was just more electric, which that's what you want to see. You know, this golf as Bubba Watson can say, and has said it is boring, but there are ways to kind of amp it up a little bit. No, there really is. And I think, you know, golf notoriously for the last however long, I can't, I, we've kind of lost count of how long we've wanted different coverage. And I think that's where we'll get into um, the live golf and what we saw uh, for their inaugural event, right? So, so we saw a event that is only broadcast on YouTube, Facebook, and on their website uh, via just online streaming. At one point on a Friday after or a Friday mid morning, there were over a hundred thousand viewers um, watching this YouTube stream. Now I don't know what the Facebook numbers looked like. I don't know what uh, you know, just their website numbers looked like. Uh, but just alone, there were over a hundred k watching just on YouTube. And I think for a first time out. Um, that's a good many viewers watching uh, at any given time, right? It's steadily held above that 100K number for a majority of the broadcast. Um, and I think, you know, for everything being considered of it being their first event, um, it was it was action-packed golf coverage. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I mean, I, I don't know what you viewed it on, but I viewed it on directly from their website. I had it, you know, add an extra tab at work and, you know, had it on and kind of went back and forth to see what it was. And, you know, I was actually very impressed with what they had. And it, it's kind of what I'm hoping the God, the golf broadcasting on all tours across the world kind of move towards, because I mean, it, it takes kind of the, uh, 
frame from YouTube, right? From all these YouTube content creators, you know, like the Kyle Berkshires, the GM golf guys, the good, good guys, right? All of them, uh, the Rick Shields, the Peter Finches, they show a lot of their shots, mm-hmm. right? A lot of their driver shots, a lot of their iron shots, chip shot, you know, and it's kind of lessened with the chip and putt. And that's kind of, you know, everything in my opinion too is, you know, you look at this, everybody's so, they're so honed in around like what the swing looks like. And everybody wants to see someone swing, wants to see someone swing and just wants to hear like a crisp, pure iron shot. You know, that's what we kind of love, love to see on a, on a viewer standpoint and what Liv did. They, I think what ha- uh, we can go into this a little bit later as well is how great the uh, shotgun start was. I didn't like it at first, but on a viewership standpoint, it was sick because it literally was everybody teed off watch driver shot and then you watch the second shot and it was just clip after clip after clip. And that's what we've been looking at. And I think that's the progression we need to go towards. When I think, right. The number one thing you said to me, which I just found this going on to livegolf.com, You always used to love the ability to go on after the round or, you know, when you couldn't watch it, the full eight hour coverage or six hour coverage um, and, and just go ahead and, and replay it. Right. Live golf not only has the first round, but the second round and the final round immediately up for watching um, on their website, which I think is incredible, right? When we talk about being able to access golf coverage and the easiest way possible, you can't go do this with NBC. You can't go do this with CBS. And usually you can barely find a PGA championship uh, overview uh, of, of every round and whatnot. So it's cool to see the accessibility of this live golf, um, you know, right at the fingertips. And, and you really don't have to look far uh, to be able to watch a good bit of golf um, right at your fingertips. And that's the number one thing just right out of the bat that I loved of how easily accessible it was. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing too. Like you come in and watch like the PGA tour or any other tour live and say, you know, you're working all day or working all morning and you come in and you can only watch it at three from three to four, three to five o'clock and you're only getting out of that of what's being played at that very moment right like what if you know on the pga tour you know your favorite player decided to he teed off at 6 30 or you know early in the morning and he's already done and then all these other guys are coming through it's like nah like i want to see that player like why can't i go back see a replay rather than having to record the entire thing. And that sometimes that's, you don't even get all of it because it's spread out from six to six. It's a 12 hour span. Obviously, you know, that's something I love to see. And like the whole replay thing, I know, you know, we always kind of go back to the masters, but the masters does it absolutely right. I mean, I was able to watch four or five players nine o'clock at night and just watch every single shot that they made. And that to me was within maybe an hour was able to watch a crap ton of golf that was played live during the day. And I know we always joke about it too, right? But the the coverage was so much more than just seeing like two straight hours of putts and a couple that iron I shots. Can't stand. We we saw action from the minute it started. Um and like you said, I I was I was not near as skeptical as you were about the shotgun start. I kind of saw the ability of it, but I think even I was impressed of how much golf 
was going and then how much we got to see, you know, the camera pan to the 12th hole. And then it's, it's right in the back of your mind when all of a sudden two groups later, the guy you were just watching is on 12 again, and then they'll show 12 again, but they're back to two. And then it was back to 12 again, and then back to four or something like that. Like you got to see like, and you got to be really familiar. I thought with the golf course a lot quicker as well than you would with just a PGA tour coverage. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, I'll still stand by. I hate shotgun starts. I just don't like it, even when I'm playing in my own own tournament. I, I I'm a, I guess you can say old school. I like the original tee times one in ten. But on a viewership viewership standpoint, I thought it was amazing. Like you said, you're seeing holes that you probably normally wouldn't see on coverage. And the same thing, everybody's usually hitting their second shot, whether it's into a par three or it's a third or second shot into a par four or five. It it kind of almost flowed more like a like an arena sports game where you watch the start and everybody finish and you watch the finish and you watch everything throughout like a basketball football hockey game i thought that was neat because at the end of the day you knew who you knew who was leading and on the third day you knew who won immediately you didn't have to wait four or five hours until that last guy came in and made his final putt on 18. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, talking about like knowing who's leading and things like that, let's get into the style of leaderboard the Live Golf used. Uh, what was your thoughts on that? They they went with this, uh, what did they call it? A Peloton or a, um, a, a pole leaderboard of some sorts. They, they took it from F1 racing is the way I understood it. Um, because of the team aspect, you were able to see the picture of the team alongside the names that were outlined. Um, and if someone will make a birdie, you got to watch them kind of jump uh, the leaderboard like a real time. Um, what was your thoughts on that leaderboard really being up on the broadcast the entire time on the left-hand side? It was different. I'll, I'll be honest. It, w- it was kind of different. I'm not saying it was good or bad, um, but it, it was very colorful <laughs> and, it, you know, just kind of like going off the of first thoughts. But what I did like about it, was the fact that it kind of reminded me of NCAA when you if you ever watch like the NCAA's on like the Golf Channel and whatnot where they they would put that up and I thought the cool thing it was the individual score but they had their team next to it and you can kind of see where everybody stood. Um, I mean I watched kind of very little just because of the time of day that it was, but now that you think about it, I might have to go back and watch the replay because I didn't really realize where if one guy made a birdie it shifted them up immediately yeah. and put them in that place i mean that that's kind of cool you know it's keeping you up with the literally live updates and live scoring so you kind of see where they stood but it wasn't something i dis- disliked and it wasn't something that i said oh my god this is the greatest thing since sliced bread but mm-hmm. you know it, it was different it was new yeah it definitely was new um something that we've got to look out for as well is you know how each of these players are drafted week to week. So, or tournament to tournament. So, you know, since each event is made up of a different field, uh, players are going to, the teams will basically decide via the draft event each week. If they have, um, you know, the, the appointed captain get to select their three open team positions. So we'll get to see, um, how many teams stay the same next time around, how many teams maybe differ next time around and, and how that framework really works with I, new players coming to my next the event. Question. You know, you got new players coming into the event. How's that? How's that? Are they going to add more teams or is it going to be, hey, we're going to have 
like college, I mean, you know, you have a roster of 10, but only five start. I mean, and, and here's where I see it too, right? I, I think that's the way it should be. Um, I think if you look at it from a perspective of Andy Ogletree, who just shot 24 over, um, maybe he doesn't start next next time around. I don't know. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, if you're bringing the team aspect into things um, and then, you know, do you get really caught on the short end of the stick? And then if you don't start, do you get paid? right? Like you can't just start from having a name on the roster, right? You've actually got to play. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the next few weeks and what really goes down. Uh, because you know, with new names really being brought to the forefront of the world, especially big names like Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau, um, we've got buzz and someone is unfortunately has to be, I mean, just by the way, the numbers work out on the chopping block. Yeah. I, that's going to be interesting because, you know, these guys are going over. It's more money. It's, you know, you see kind of some of the position or, you know, where these guys stand in regards with like the PGA based off of their careers and not mm-hmm. nothing like politically or anything. It's like more where, you know, look at the PGA towards getting younger, stronger, faster, and longer, right? Some of these guys' careers, they've been on the, on the tour for upwards 15 plus years. You know, they kind of know, ah, you know, it, it's not that I can't play good golf. It's just, you know, I'm going up some of these guys that are, that are, are swinging, you know, 115, 100, in between 115, 120 miles an hour, even plus getting ball speeds up to almost 200 miles an hour, you know, playing these courses. How are you going to compete up against that? You know what I mean? It's, it's more of this bomb and gouge style. So, you know, if I need to put food on the table for my family and I got to pay for everybody, you know, and live this lifestyle that, that I live and pay, you know, my caddy, my, and my entire team, maybe it's, it's a good jump for them. But if you're throwing in this, uh, this little loophole app or who knows what's going to happen if there, you have more people on the tour than you anticipated. So now you got to have guys on, on the cut line in regards to not making the team, what is going to happen? That's going to be, Interesting and strategic if that goes down, if we go down that route. There's no doubt. I mean, it's definitely something where um, the the coverage was not um, horrible in any means. I thought, you know, they made some blunders by, you know, saying, all right, we're going to Brendan Grace. And then they go to like Scott Vincent or something Mm -hmm. like weird like that. Like they went to a couple different um, players throughout the broadcast and they initially announced they – you know, said so-and-so was at a certain score and they were at a different score, but I'll chalk that up to the, the first event, the first broadcast really going out there and maybe they were looking at a different screen or something. God knows how many screens they have backstage. I mean, it's what probably moving at. so fast that you're going to have those slip ups. And it was, it, it was moving so fast from a fan standpoint, you could, there wasn't a point where I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm going to go take a snooze uh, and and catch it because it's only on for four and a half hours. It's only on for four hours. If you do take a snooze, well, maybe you I mean, might miss, miss it. That's, that's the length of a baseball game these days. You yeah. watch an MLB baseball game, it's it's a four-hour game. I mean, you watch start to finish, but, you know, baseball, you know, you can kick the feet up, throw the head back, and next thing you know, you're passed out for the next five hours. Sure. This, from what I watched, I was on my toes, and I missed probably, you know, I clicked on it, watched maybe – I think within a minute, five shots, five to 10 shots. Next thing I know, it's halfway over. And yeah. like you said, it was just going so fast. 
you just couldn't you kind of couldn't keep up on a on a viewer's standpoint which we all know golf is a lot slower and can be theoretically boring that actually kept it more upbeat and fast paced no it really when you look at just from an enjoyment as a as a spectator um you know i, I can only imagine there was tons going on throughout the day there like on the course and i and i can imagine just everyone else that watched it, it with an open mind um enjoyed the coverage because it was it was very fast paced there was not much downtime during the entirety of the broadcast no not i mean not at all a couple i mean you probably saw maybe 20 to 30 shots then they clipped to a an ad which was their ad and then they clipped it yeah. right back and you watched another 30 shots which if you say hey i can only watch like a good five to ten minutes you're still going to get a crap ton of i guess content viewership from the event that you're watching which is great mm -hmm. because when you watch you know i'm not knocking the pga tour but at the same time i'm knocking the way that they do the broadcasts you can maybe see two or three putts and watch like four or five minutes of commercials and the next thing you know you're like ah on to something else yep exactly no, it's it was fun. Um, I'm excited to see um, the next up and coming event, June 30th, uh, out of, out in Portland. So they're coming stateside. Uh, they go Portland, then they go Boston, then they go, or I'm sorry, they go Portland, Bedminster, Boston, Chicago, and then out across the, the world again to Bangkok and Jeddah, um, with the team season ending championship being held in Miami. So um, excited to see what maybe changes they make if they say, Hey, this worked, Hey, this didn't. And you know, so-and-so goes on. And then um, from there, I'm excited to see who continues to make the jump because I don't think we're at the end of guys making the jump. Um, Pat Perez just announced and said he's going. Um, I would imagine in the next three months, by the time we get to Chicago in September, I'm willing to bet at least another 20 names jump of some way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, I think that's a conservative number, um, which then begs the question, are they going to need to be like the Premier League or like the F1 series where, hey, we might need to add, you know, if you're talking in F1 terms, are we adding a couple more cars to the race? Uh, if you're talking in Premier Leagues, are you, use, are you adding a few more clubs? Like, how are they going to accommodate um, more players? And does that all of a sudden become uh, shotgun starts worst nightmare where you have one A, one B, two A, two oh, B? Jeez. And then think do, about we, that. do we do we start creating issues of 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 uh, pace of play? So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle all the hype and and more more guys jumping over. Do they? Here's a wild scenario that I want to throw out at you: if Live Golf gets big enough and they keep this you know, format of shotgun starts and teams. Do we start seeing live golf specifically go to 36 hole venues and they've got two 18 hole shotguns going on at once. Do we see that happen? Is that a possibility? Uh, yes. I love it because I, I because I think they just want to throw just, you know, people to like just to the wolves and see what happens. And I think that would be that would make for such interesting golf because you're going to have two separate players 
playing on two separate courses, yet it's going to also come back to the team thing. So I think there's going to be a lot of, I think they're just trying to throw a different, like a whole bunch of cards out and you got to like play like your best hand and strategically move yourself around because not only is it individual, it is team. So I think that would be, I mean, that would make for interesting, um, that would just for content alone, I think that would make for interesting ways for what the live can do that just create new ways to make, I guess you can say more golf, more vibrant. Oh, no doubt. Um, it, it'll be interesting to watch. I am at least here for, um, to see where they go next. I'm, I'm here to see them play in Portland. I think that's exciting. Their first event stateside. Um, and then, you know, let's see who, who else plays. I mean, um, again, it's, uh, I, I think Pat Perez is far from the last name to, to jump himself out that direction. So we'll just have to see exactly where, um, where it goes from here and, and what people continue to make their commitments. And, you know, I think the biggest eyes we got to keep on is the guys near the bottom. Do, do they get bumped? Do they stick around? What exactly happens? So, um, definitely excited to uh, see what happens and excited to catch another live golf event, uh, online. I think you, Dante, you said you watched the link, um, via their website last time I watched via YouTube. So I think in, in true, um, in true detective fashion, I'm going to have to watch a, Maybe via Facebook next time, just to see how that stream goes as well. Yeah, switch it up, see how it goes. That's it. That's it. Well, guys, as always, you can go to at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram and Twitter to check out our latest and greatest from following the US Open, as well as going to www.enjoythewalkpod.com to check out the latest merch from us, guys. We are dropping a couple uh, of our older US Open uh, specific designs. Nothing new this year, but maybe new to your closet. So go check it out. Uh, as always, we love to see our merch out and about. So if you're wearing some of our merch, tag us at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram. We'll be happy to reshare. Uh, so, Dante, we've talked live. We liked what we saw. Um, talking across the pond, I guess you could say, into this Scandinavian mixed event, which I think is super cool. Uh, didn't get a ton of coverage until history was made. Uh, but first, I mean, let's just talk on the fact that we saw a European tour mixed event and you've been screaming from the mountaintops to see more and more of this. Yeah. I, I mean, there's different respected tees for a reason, right? There's different yardage. It's not like you're just going out playing a course and it's always 7,000 yards. I mean, there's, tees for a reason you know you play your respected tees and you can honestly compete against anyone and why not do i mean i've been saying the pga tour needs to do this with the lpga i mean have a mixed event i think it would be great for the game of golf i think it'd be great for the tours all the exposure of the players and all that and you know it's a universal game so why not make universal unisex i should say it's a it's basically a unisex game so why not throw them on the same course play your respected tees and see who comes out victorious yeah no and i think you know how cool to not only see this event but then all of a sudden come day three see a woman on top of the leaderboard um and not just by a couple uh by a whole bunch absolutely smoked the field um when you know when you talk about uh people who are just playing at the top of their game um it's just absurd to me how much she won by 
right? When we're talking about a woman that won by six strokes, 14 strokes clear of the next woman, um, she just absolutely murdered the field. Um, so shout out to Lynn Grant. Um, they did play their respective tees. Like you said, uh, the men were playing from a, a different set of tee boxes than the women. But I mean, she is an absolute stud to beat the entire field by more than six strokes. It's just it, crazy cool to see. I want more of it. Yeah. And I, it's always interesting to see because you always have conversations, right? You watch the men and they just absolutely lash at the ball, right? It's like, hit it as far as I can. I don't care where it goes and I'm just going to wedge it close and see if I can get up and down for birdie or par, right? And then you hear on the women's side of things how accurate they really are. And it it's kind of interesting, like what, you know, the game is, the game. it's the game of inches, but it's also the game of accuracy. But, you know, who comes out victorious? Is it the bomb and gouge or is it the ones that can stick it close and tap it in for, you know, for birdie, but I love to see it. I, I just want more of that. I think you can create so many more great events and exposure for the game. If you do more mixed events and that's something I'm, I'm willing to see. And I, I mean, that's, there's not much more else I can say about that. It's like, we just need more of it now. And actually I stand corrected here. I'm looking at the, the leaderboard. She didn't just win by six. She actually won by nine. Uh, she was 24 under second competitor, uh, that finished second place was at 15 under Henrik Stenson. Um, so just absolutely wild to see her damn near lap the field. Um, you know, coming down the stretch, she just continued to make birdie after birdie after birdie. Um, she is a, you know, fresh pro. Um, she just capped a, a season out or a, a career out at Arizona state. Um, so she is really a fresh onto the professional scene. Um, so excited to watch her, you know, continue to grow and get, get just more involved in LPGA events, European tour women's events and, and see her succeed because Lynn Grant shooting 24 under in a mixed event, um, absurdly low. And I cannot wait to see more from her in the future. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch. And, you know, like I said, hopefully we see more events from that side of uh, that tour. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here for it. And I know you are as well because you've been begging for it, um, you know, over the past few years. But uh, as we continue with women's golf, you know, we talked about uh, the Curtis Cup being in our backyard uh, at Marion. Uh, I know we had, I had a couple buddies out there that played Marywood golf. Old, old Nick Biondi was out there. Uh, Jesse was out there. Jesse Bigman was out there too. So shout out you guys for going to support women's golf. Um, you know, really cool to see the Curtis cup get this much notoriety again this year. Um, and being with it canceled uh, because of COVID um, this was actually the second year in a row that we saw the Curtis cup being played. So um, I mean, Overall thoughts after the U.S. taking home the Curtis Cup, Dante, um, and seeing it two years in a row, I I want to see this every year. I, I love I love seeing this kind of golf. Well, that it's and that it's with amateurs, right? You know, you get you know yeah. the true love of the game, right? The true passion is through the amateur status, and you know a lot of collegiate players get up on it and they're in it, and you you know saw the pride that they just wore. I mean, they had paint of the american flags and the irish and the great britain flag on the other side you know they just they wore their colors proud and 
it was basically Ryder Cup mentality that you see on the men's game, and they were just absolutely going after it and so focused and energized and just loved being out there. And the fact that it was right here in our backyard at Marion, which I thought, I mean, it's, I love being able to see then events at that golf course. Cause that golf course is absolutely just pristine and gorgeous and love seeing that track. Because I mean, if I wanted to just hop in the car and just drive by it, I can, which I feel like that helped as well. But I mean, I caught like the tail end of it and it was a good hour and I just, I glued myself to the uh, to the couch and just I don't think I moved. Well, how cool is it too? You know, you don't really see this too often of of college teammates getting to play together. Um, you know, I mean, we saw it in the Ryder Cup with with great buddies of Justin Thomas and and Jordan Spieth getting able to play together. But actually, like teammates on the same college uh, getting to play together in a golf team setting. Uh, that's what Rachel Heck and Rose Thang got to do. Uh, this week as well and they absolutely just took the cup away from uh, the other team just going undefeated I mean absurd to see just such good play and I shouldn't say absurd because these women are in crazy crazy great talents in the game Um, and I think overall just watching that um, this week it was my greatest synopsis of everything right like I was just so impressed with the talent and overall poise of these young amateur players uh, on the women's side it I I say it once, I'll say it again. You say it once, you say it all the time. These women players are such pure ball strikers, no matter what club they have in hand. I mean, if you watch anything from the LPGA this week as well, Brooke Henderson won the tournament in a playoff with like a three wood to like four feet and knocked in the eagle putt. Dude, speaking of that, so there was the shop right. So it was down at Seaview, which again was in the other side of my backyard because I'm right in the middle. Right. Pause. We need to get better at going to things in our backyard. Yeah, we really, we really should. This is actually kind of, this is actually kind of embarrassing that I, I didn't even go to either one. Um, same weekend too. Right. But last year I played in a, in an event the weekend after the ShopRite LPGA and just to show how good of ball strikers, strikers they are, you know, we were playing basically the same tees because the course is, 62 63 I, I don't even remember we played all the way back and you just saw like you look you get on the par threes and you see these divots and you can just see where they had the t and their divot it was an absolute vertical it was just a, like a little rectangle block of grass of turf that took out i mean you it was because you know when you go out and play like your course and you can see kind of you know if your lie angles off and you tow it or you put heels first and you can just see like these kind of crooked divots. These divots were just straight perfect rectangles, squares or whatever coming off of a, off the terrain. That just shows how good they are. Oh, it's clutch, man. It's so clutch. Um, Again, just so excited to see all kinds of different golf this week. And I I think I understand the complexity of putting on different events and, you know, we can't always see this much golf being played week in and week out, but as a golf fan, I kind of want to, I want this much golf going on week in and week out. Um, And I want this much televised golf going on week in and week out, or at least accessible golf. And I think if you look at live golf and opinions aside, because we're not getting into them, this podcast um, opinions aside, it's more golf. It's accessible golf. For everyone around the world, you don't need a uh, direct TV. 
you know, coverage. You don't need the NBC or CBS app. You don't need the ESPN Plus app. You don't need PJ Tour Live app. You don't need anything other than a computer or even probably like a Roku or an Amazon Prime. You could probably find it that way via YouTube. So, um, you know, you can watch it on your phone even. Um, there's so many ways to watch it that I, I just love this much golf being televised uh, or, or accessible to the masses. Yeah. I mean, what's as a golf fan who loves to watch golf, what's worse than, I mean, there's nothing really worse than being overwhelmed with, oh crap, which tournament do I want to turn on right now? Right. It's a good exactly. problem to have. Oh, a hundred percent a good problem to have. And um, I think, I think if these tours kind of take, you know, a look at what's going on, it, it, you we're moving in the right direction when it comes to, you know, providing the viewing experience to, to the fan base that who aren't physically there at that specific tournament. For sure. No, man. I mean, as you look forward to into this week's U S open, um, it's going to be great coverage. The USGA always does a great job of, I feel like getting a lot of coverage onto their event as well with multiple streaming platforms on their app, um, which is free online. So, um, Excited to get into U.S. Open Week as well. Um, we've got a lot of good interviews, guys, coming up this the rest of this week. You can catch it on our Facebook page. So if you don't follow that, go follow that. Enjoy the Walk Off Podcast on Facebook. Follow us on YouTube as well as we'll be going live with some uh, interviews from folks inside the ropes uh, where we go live with Corn Ferry Tour stud, uh, only player to make nine out of nine cuts to begin the season in 2020, Eric Barnes. Uh, we also go live with uh, or are going live with Brandon Matthews, his caddy, Colton Heisey. We've had him on the podcast a few times. So we start to dissect the golf course. We get into what the golf course looks like. We get into course setup, uh, what can and can't happen from the from the face of Brandon Matthews. Uh, what will he be hitting? Will he even bring the big dog to Brookline? How many times mm. will he hit it? So uh, we talk about all that with Colton Heisey. We'll get into that live on our Facebook and YouTube pages. So guys, go follow it at enjoy the walk pod on Instagram and Twitter and enjoy the walk off podcast on YouTube. As always guys, you can find all of these links and more, including our latest merch at www.enjoythewalkpod.com. So Dante, before we get into the U S open, obviously Brandon Matthews being that hometown hero from Scranton, Pennsylvania, or I should say just outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, um, Ben Griffin and Brandon Matthews got their tour cards from the Corn Ferry Tour. Brandon Matthews finishing in the top 26 this week at the BMW Pro-Am. Um, he's got his tour card, man. We're going to see him full-time out on tour next year. That is an exciting, exciting announcement that uh, we are so ex so happy for Brandon Matthews. Could not have happened to a better individual. No. I mean, you know, Northeastern PA, we got the Philly sector, we got Gap rooting for him. I mean, it's you know, it's our, our two homes, you know, and I'm, you know, pulling for him, hoping he does extremely well, gets some W's out there and, you know, is constantly in the limelight. So, you know, good luck to him. Congrats. You know, and like you said, can't wait to, to follow him along his journey. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. I remember um, him dealing with some serious, serious back injuries and wrist injuries um, and, and to see him really just grind and pull through and go back to the latin america tour start there get the order of merit on the latin america tour um and then all of a sudden you know be bumped up to the corn Ferry tour play there for two years and then 
boom, start this year out on just a tear, get a win, um, kind of go through a couple events in the top 20 and then get another win. Um, and then just really play himself through, um, to get that tour card. So, uh, super stoked to not only see him at the U S open this week, but also seeing him next year, um, at the PGA tour. Funny comment. I thought just really describes Brandon Matthews's mentality. Um, he said, yes, the, the tour card is great. And having that secured is awesome, but it, everyone knows we're out here playing for the top spot. We know what that gets you. So Obviously, the benefits of being number one on the Corn Ferry Tour money list at the end of the year has far more benefits than simply finishing second through 25. Uh, so he's sitting five right now and gunning for that top spot uh, right behind him. Like we said, guys who are we're going to be live with later in the week from Brookline, Eric Barnes sitting two spots behind Brandon Matthews in the Corn Ferry Tour money list. So um, excited to uh, you know just see where this all pans out for the Corn Ferry Tour the rest of the season. Uh, but excited to see Brookline, man. If anyone knows uh, our favorite, you know, movie, Dante, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. It's the intro to our show. Uh, the greatest game ever played is just an absolute, um, I think, classic, instant classic when you talk about uh, Francis we met and the true story of him winning the U.S. Open as an amateur. Um, we're going to pop on the screen, guys, here for anyone watching on YouTube. Um, the actual tailor-made I would say, what do you say, uh, commemorative bag, Dante, uh, for Francis We Met's win. Uh, they put all kinds of Boston culture into this. They've got Boston brewery culture, Francis We Met's house number. Um, they've got some Patriot uniform, kind of an ode back to Paul Revere's uh, hmm. outfit is what they're saying. So all kinds of American theme in this tailor-made bag. Uh, they've got Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts on the bottom of it the Freedom Trail bricks around the base. Um, just an absolute stunning bag, Dante. I think when you when we walk to the majors, this is one of the coolest and just best things. Um, they've got April 18th, 1775, Night of Paul Revere's Ride, one if by land, two if by sea, the two little lanterns there. That's just a great touch. Um, I love this bag, dude, and I think this is the one of the best things that I think we're seeing post-COVID that maybe we didn't see a whole lot during COVID and the majors because there wasn't that many fans. I don't know, but I don't feel like we saw the the bag, uh, you know, homages that we that we're seeing again they, this year out of the out of the majors. They've been doing it for quite some time, but I I think you're right. They're not really spotlighting it, or they were. They're spotlighting it more now than before and you know hats off to the taylor me taylor made uh you know graphic design team and the, whoever decided to come with this creation was just absolutely i mean this is definitely by far the best one i've seen yeah i mean you know i haven't seen a bad comment on instagram for it and i just think the the weathered look of it the scripty taylor made um you know fonts the the stars inside the pockets um if you're a tailor-made guy and you qualified for the U.S. Open this year, um, this thing's going up on a shelf, I think, for for the rest of your career and then some. Uh, the great great grandkids are getting this uh, are getting this bag for for many years to come. Hmm. Definitely, that's. Uh, I want one. I want one as well. Maybe maybe we'll qualify next year, Dante. May just maybe. Yeah, I have some handicap uh, strokes to drop, so 
might be a few years. I don't know. Maybe you might you might have a shot here, but who knows? You never know. Yeah, maybe in a in a deep dark dream of mine. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, getting into Brookline this week, and obviously we'll talk about it more on the lives with with some of the folks that we we have on this week. Um, I'm just excited to see this golf course. You know, when you talk about um, a golf course that in 1913 provided uh, one of the most incredible moments of the game with Francis Wiemetz U S open win over Harry Varden and Ted Ray. Um, from what I'm reading, um, a lot of these guys are saying, you know, from a critic standpoint that, um, it's really the same golf course. It says everything old is new again. Uh, the same outlook is there just with added yardage. So it seems like a majority of the bones that kept this course together when Francis, we met played it in 1913 is still existent at this golf club, which I think is truly special. Yeah. I mean, for a course to be like that old and to kind of keep its same shape for that many years is pretty remarkable to do. And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons that I'm so excited to watch this year's U S open is just that sole fact of Francis. We met the greatest game ever played and the, you know, Brookline and the country club. Yeah. And I think what's really neat as well is um, it, it speaks of 1963 and 1988. The other times Brookline or the country club has hosted uh, the U S open players actually skipped the par three number 11, which is 131 yards in favor of playing the course in a different outlay um this year they're bringing it back they said let's face it it's a wedge for most of these guys but 130 war- 31 yard shot defined by four bunkers and a front brook as they call it which was a creek for us northeasterners uh you know south of the paul revere line of maine and rhode island um, <laughs> mm. um is is pretty neat i mean to have a 131 yard hole um is going to be interesting for these guys. I think it's, it's going to bring an element of uh, all of a sudden they just have a wedge. Um, and if they miss, it's incredibly penal. I mean, I'm going to share the screen again here, guys on our YouTube. Uh, so if you aren't watching that, go check it out. Um, when you look at this hole, right. I mean, if you miss the screen and as thick as the, as thick as the rough's going to be, you're going to have a hard time getting it up and down. And especially from these green side bunkers with everything sloping away from you. Um, it, it's a tricky golf hole. It's a very tricky golf hole if you don't hit the green. Um, so interested to see that, you know, as you look at the layout of this course, it's very old fashioned. It's very tight. Um, you've got it pretty much surrounding, um, the old original, uh, parking lot. So, um, it's just a very tight golf course. And to me, it just screams old, old country club, you know, just outside of a city. I mean, that's exactly what we're dealing with and I'm excited to see it. A reason it's called the country club. <laughs> yes. Very vintage. Um, you know, other things that I, I just think I'm excited to see here from Brookline this week, as you look at the, the setup and, and everything surrounding it is just um, the way the golf course will play from a T ball standpoint, I think is going to be very interesting. Um, I think as you look at some of the, the courses we've had in the past um, that, you know, maybe, force guys at wing foot or something like that to, to just bomb and gouge kind of deal. Like what happened when Bryson won? Um, I think this course is going to completely um, deter that style of play. And I think it's going to really folks force guys to, um, to bring their a game off the tee. And if you don't hit fairways, or even if you do hit fairways, it's going to be, well, what side of the fairway did they hit? 
you know, I've seen a lot of videos already coming up where if you hit the left side of the fairway, you're fine. But if you miss it just right of center, it's going to hit a mound and bound into the water. So um, very old style club, lots of water, this brooks that cross here and there, they create a lot of issues uh, across a lot of these holes from a driving perspective. So I think you're going to find a lot of water balls um, coming into play this week at Brookline. Yeah, I'm excited. I know, um, you know, saying guys aren't really going to be pulling driver off the tee. I like that style of play. You know, I like pulling woods, hybrids, even irons off the tee. And it'd be exciting to see, like, you know, they have to position themselves very well off the tee. So I wonder how much these guys are going to try and work the ball. And that's kind of, you know, one of my, you know, observations when it comes to the way the game's being played these days, everything's maxed out. The ball's too straight. Let's see and try and watch a guy where a ball's designed to go straight and see how much they can work it. I think that is going to be great. And I'm excited to see mainly how these guys do play it off the tee. And if they're trying like, you know, maybe if I need to get myself in a certain spot on the, on the fairway, I need to hook it. Is it going the hook? I don't know. We'll see. No, for sure. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. I know that guy. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for our lives the rest of this week. Um, as we, as we go live with, uh, with Colton Heisey, PGA tour caddy for, for Brandon Matthews. And as we go, uh, also with, uh, Eric Barnes, uh, corn Ferry tour top 10 on the money list, as well as I would say, Mr. Consistent this year of nine of nine cuts made before the BMW pro-am. Um, so excited to go live with those guys and just give you inside access into the U S open at Brookline. Um, and as always guys, uh, you can go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com uh, to subscribe to all of our media links on the top right corner of our webpage. Uh, so that's it from us this week, guys. Enjoy the U.S. Open. Uh, we will be checking in via all of our social media accounts. Uh, so go check that out at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, guys, you can get out there, carry your clubs, and enjoy the walk. Shot at a time.